Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not get indicted for the fourth time yesterday. No, your former president... Donald Trump did. This is ridiculous. A lot of people feel that way, and we're going to dive head on into the clown show down in Georgia where Fannie Willis went real bravo last night, letting the cameras come inside the courtroom, follow the documents around. The only thing missing, they had jokes. They had all kinds of banter with the media in between. That was embarrassing. It really was. The only thing they were missing was like a thrown glass of wine, like we were watching the real prosecutors of Atlanta. (laughs) Straight clown stuff. We're going to discuss it on a busy Tuesday. Dana Perino is going to be here. She is the belle of the cable news ball, co-host of America's Newsroom, co-host. Most of the five will also be joined by the human happy hour, Emily Campagno. And then, of course, Brian Brenberg, co-host of The Big Money Show right here on the Fox Business Network, stops in to talk Bidenomics. Biden sucks. This according to the Associated Press, who say Biden's Inflation Reduction Act gets no credit for the impact on the economy. Come on, man. We're wild uh, today. It's going to be nuts. So 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of this shindig. The rules are the same no matter how many times they indict a president. When this show started, we had never indicted a president once in the history of the United States. We've now done it four times in one summer. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know, but the rules will remain the same. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an Independent. Just don't be a There it is. Happy Tuesday, you guys. Last night, uh, I had made a campaign promise... That in addition to my appearances on the telly in the morning, I was going to be on Waters World at night, and I was sitting there in the chair on Waters World literally a minute before my hit went live at 8.50, and they announced they were indicting Trump. That's not right. Right? Because it kills the ratings on Waters World. You lose the ratings, Ferry, in the E-block. It's always good for a little boost when they bring on Jimmy in one of his silly sport coats. He tells a couple of jokes. That's you know, It's good for morale. But instead, we get Fannie Willis who is just, you know, launching another election campaign. She's already fundraising off of these indictments. And what's gone on down in Georgia is an absolute clown show. Here is uh, just a drop of that, okay, just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with, is they're charging Trump under RICO laws, which were, of course, designed for the mob. It's a 100-page indictment. Uh, The number of counts, (laughs) it's like... It's staggering, okay, what's going on here. And understand, none of this, okay, is applicable to mob law. None of this is applicable to any type of truth in terms of what went on in Georgia. This is absolutely a situation where the process is the punishment, similar to the way the Mueller probe hung over Trump's head and made it harder for him to govern in the first three years of his presidency. Okay, these four indictments are basically there not to find Trump guilty, but to make it very difficult for him to run. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, this one is bananas. Okay, I'm going to let Jonathan Turley kind of spell it out. Because the big takeaway is they want Trump for what? Oh, he's challenging the results of an election. You can't do that. That's what Jonathan Turley is reacting to. It's clip four. 
the indictment is, as we expected, uh, founded on this broad racketeering claim. Uh, you've got 18 individuals who are charged. Willis seems to have charged everything and everyone is allowing God to sort them out. Uh, you know, you look at this indictment and every call, every tweet, every speech seems to be a separate uh, criminal act that composes this conspiracy. Uh, that raises really troubling questions as to the criminalization of the challenges to elections. And that's the big problem here, okay, is you're criminalizing the challenging of an election. But you're doing so in a very hyper-contextualized way because you're aiming it squarely at a Republican president. Uh, Although I can be the first to tell you, not that this would be news, he's not the first person to say an election was not legitimate. I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. And I take responsibility for those parts of it that I should. But, Jane, it was like applying for a job and getting 66 million letters of uh, recommendation and losing to... A corrupt human tornado. Don't you have any respect for yourself? So that's one Hillary, but let me give you another one. I think it's also critical to understand that, as I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. You're an idiot! I mean, really, though? Okay. Was there any criminal act? Did anybody go get Adam Schiff for going on TV every night and telling us there was definitive proof of Russian collusion? The answer would be no. How about John Brennan? The answer would be no. James Clapper? The answer would be no. No, the point is if you're a Democrat, you can challenge the legitimacy of an election to the moon and back. Nothing's going to happen to you. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. And that's why this looks like such a scam to objective observers. Trump isn't getting indicted for anything that he couldn't have been indicted for a year ago or the year before that. This stuff happened in the winter of 2020. Okay, we're now going into the fall of 2023. The fact that we're at the tip-off of the presidential election and the guy happens to be up by 40 points makes the timing of this a little suspicious, ladies and gentlemen. I think he's got a point. Okay, and John Her- uh, Jonathan Turley goes a little bit further on that really quickly, clip five. The problem is is not that, you know, record the, the RICO statues were designed for the mob, but they have been used far beyond the mob. The problem is how they're being used in this context. This is an election challenge in a state that had a razor thin margin. Roughly 11,000 votes is really nothing uh, in a state of, of, of this size. And so during those days following the presidential election, the Trump campaign was alleging uh, that machines were manipulated, that there were all types of wrongdoing. They lost those, those claims. But the question is, is it a crime uh, to raise them? Uh, Is it a crime to raise suspicions about an election? Not even close! I don't see how it could be when you have the other political party legit straight telling you it was stolen by a foreign leader. But again, these indictments are not being brought because they need to find Trump guilty. Do you dig? It's like the Mueller probe. 
the process is the punishment. If you can convict him in the court of public opinion, you don't ever need a real conviction. Bingo. Alan Dershowitz, okay, on Hannity last night, a dyed-in-the-wool liberal. He did not vote for Trump in either election. You understand? This is not a Trump guy. This is not, you know, a guy hanging out at Mar-a-Lago. This is Alan Dershowitz, a guy who calls balls and strikes, who famously said he's not leaving the Democratic Party, but the party is quickly leaving guys like him, who used to be classic free speech liberals that are now just drowning in a wave of censorship. You know, a guy who once belonged to the Rage Against the Machine crowd has now watched his party join the machine. You better be with the machine on vaccines. You better be with the machine on climate change. Okay, but, you know, you got to be with the machine on all of this stuff. I mean, and that's how it works. The crowd that started out in college as make love, not war, will no longer make love to you unless you support the war in Ukraine. It's so backwards now. But here is Dershowitz just talking about the strategy of why they're indicting Trump during an election. Clip six. Well, first of all, nobody should take it all seriously. The fact that it was a grand jury indictment, it means nothing. It's the prosecutor who indicted. The best evidence of that is that it was on his website before the grand jury even voted. Now, the whole strategy of all these four cases is to get a conviction before the election, even if they're going to lose on appeal. Straight up. okay? they just need to convict him in the public eye. So it makes it harder for people to vote for Trump in the general. Okay, he's going to win the primaries. If he sticks in, okay, he will win the primaries. Because what's happening is every time they indict Trump, it undermines their credibility a little bit more. If you've got a DOJ that you've seen interfere in previous elections, as they did in 2020 by killing the Hunter Biden laptop story, you realize it's not beyond them to interfere yet again. When you realize the DOJ was giving Hunter Biden a sweetheart plea deal that was exonerating him of crimes that weren't even related to the plea deal, okay, you look at something like that and you're, you know. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? You're like, what's happening? I don't get, what do you mean? And you go, oh, I see. I see. They're in the tank for one side. I get it. It makes sense now. But here is Dershowitz expounding on the legal implications of this beyond the court of public opinion. Clip seven. I used to teach my students, many of them future prosecutors, if you bring a RICO case, that increases your chances of winning a trial and losing on appeal. The same thing is true with conspiracy and other cases involving mental states. And so all four of these cases are designed to get quick, quick, convictions in jurisdictions that are heavily loaded against Donald Trump. And these prosecutors don't care as much as prosecutors generally do about having the convictions reversed on appeal, because that will happen after the election, which only goes to prove what I've been arguing now for for months. If you're going after the man who's running against your incumbent president, you would darn well better have the strongest case possible. I admire your honesty. Okay, because he's telling you the truth there, and it's not popular in its party. It's not popular where Dershowitz lives on Martha's Vineyard. Nobody will talk to him anymore. It's like, how dare he represented Trump in an impeachment trial? How dare you? Do you know what trial he represented Trump in, you guys? The one where the Democrats impeached him because he was looking into Biden's wrongdoing in Ukraine. Okay, the one where they said, wow, Trump threatened to withhold foreign aid from Ukraine if they didn't do what he wanted. 
And according to the Democrats, that was an impeachable offense. Apparently, they never heard this clip. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. Huh, would you look at that? This guy's a serious ass. That's Joe Biden openly bragging. Okay, about withholding aid from a foreign entity in same in this instance, Ukraine, the very thing Trump got impeached for. Alan Dershowitz, to his credit, saw through the ridiculousness of the whole thing, represented Trump and, of course, was ostracized from Democrat society. But he's telling you the truth when he says that the whole process of indicting a president has been cheapened like beyond all believable bounds. Like Alan Alvin Bragg is indicting Trump on federal charges In Manhattan, does he have the jurisdiction as the Manhattan district attorney to charge someone federally? But that was the first indictment in the history of a president of the United States. An absurd, just uh, just absurd, you know, farce of an indictment. And now we got into classified documents where, let's be clear, Donald Trump is not the first government official to mishandle classified documents. Although, unlike Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump was a president at the time he did. He had classif- he had declassification authority. It's not to say he did or didn't declassify them. It's just to say there's a little bit of a double standard when it comes to charging him for it and not them. Tell him like it is. Okay, but even this idea of January 6th, and we're now indicting him on what's in his mind? They're crazy. I mean, what are we even talking about? And now we get down to Georgia, okay, where you look at the aftermath of the Georgia election— And he's out out there saying, "Okay, it's our belief that over 50,000 votes are outstanding in our favor. We just need you to find the 11,870 that put us over the top. He didn't say the words, go print fake ballots. He didn't say the words, go cheat in the election or else. He said there are outstanding votes out there. According to our analysis, we need you to go find them. Okay, Georgia turns around now and indicts him for saying that very thing. That's not right. Now, to Trump's credit, true Trumpian fashion, uh, the dude doesn't back down. He he just doesn't care. Okay, the establishment, the deep state, his party doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Party city, the party supplies. He'll fight anybody. He doesn't care. Okay, here he is on Truth Social this morning. Uh, announcing a news conference for this coming Monday uh, that'll detail what went on in Georgia. Trump says, according to Truth Social, a large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report on the presidential election fraud, which took place in Georgia, is almost complete and will be presented by me at a major news conference at 11 a.m. on Monday of next week in Bedminster, New Jersey. Based on the results of this conclusive report, all charges should be dropped against me and others. There will be a complete exoneration. They never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those that fought to find the riggers. Now, I have no idea what he's going to show you. And I genuinely don't have proof that they stole the election. I have a great Time Magazine article where they confessed to reconfiguring the way we voted and suppressing information and doing everything they could to get the outcome to Biden. But that doesn't prove what they did was illegal. Okay, but the harder they come after Trump, the more you have to wonder why they're so desperate to avoid an honest conversation about that election. 
What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. When you're right. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword jimmy text now you'll get a bottle of nugenics thermo x the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast it is absolutely free your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword jimmy it's 231-231 and you enter the keyword jimmy texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages consent not required to purchase message and data rates may apply There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Ted Cruz weighed in last night on the Hannity Show. I'll be on with Hannity Thursday. Live studio audience. We come out, yuck it up, throw a couple of footballs into the crowd. My completion percentage on Hannity, I, I want to believe I'm the highest rated completion percentage. I think he lets me throw a lot of nerfs. And uh, I always make it a point to spot somebody who's going to catch the ball. Because the problem with throwing a football in the studio is deflections. Okay, you got somebody standing up to catch a ball, then it deflects off their hands and knocks out some old lady. This could be a problem. Exactly. So you got to throw, you know, the easy completions, get the completion percentage up. Ted Cruz says it's an incomplete pass, says it might have even been unsportsmanlike conduct to indict a president or at least a major party nominee in the middle of an election cycle. Here it is. Clip eight. The timing is nakedly political. Every time more bad news comes out about Hunter Biden or Joe Biden, you can set a stopwatch within hours. Some clown goes and indicts Donald Trump again. And then all of the all of the little lemmings in the media go run and say, Trump, 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 Trump. Look, last week, the House Oversight Committee released bank records that showed that Joe Biden's family and associates received over 20 million dollars from foreign sources while Joe Biden was vice president. So just when he's in office, over $20 million. Let me ask you, is there anything on earth, Sean, that Hunter Biden could do for you that would be worth $20 million? Hunter's a dirtbag. Okay, no secret there. But he makes a good point that the timing, it's really weird, man. It's really weird, especially when you consider they're not indicting the guy with new evidence. They're not indicting the guy based on new developments. They're indicting the guy based on things that happened three years ago, which means they're only jumping in now because there's a timely benefit to doing so. That's true. That is true. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
going to give you a little meter reaction to the fourth indictment of Donald Trump. Rachel Maddow had Hillary Clinton on last night. That was absolutely dreadful. But what's funny about it, really quickly, I've, you've heard me say this before. We're living in the death of shame. And what I mean by that is people are willing to get in front of a TV camera, get behind a radio microphone, just tell you anything, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, brazenly false, spectacularly hypocritical. You know, Rachel Maddow, if you remember, spent the better part of three years telling you that Trump stole the 2016 election with the help of Russia, 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 Russia. That's all she ever did. We got the Trump tax returns, Russia, okay? We talked to Lev Part Russia, and none of it turned out to be true. Get her out. Get her out of here. But she never owned it. She never said, well, you know, turns out I got that one wrong. And the reason she couldn't say she got that one wrong is it would imply that she had ever made an attempt to get it right. Correct the mundo. They knew it was wrong, okay? Just like when they killed the Hunter Biden laptop story, our own intelligence agencies had corroborating it as being true. Do you understand? At the time, everybody in the media was discrediting the Hunter Biden laptop. They knew it was true. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. I mean, understand when they were shaming you out of polite society. Do you remember Rachel Maddow telling you vaccinated people couldn't get COVID? That's why you had to lose your job if you wouldn't play ball? It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug-resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. Really? The virus stops with every vaccinated person? Okay, the most recent month of data we have available to us shows that vaccinated people died more often than non-vaccinated people. So uh, I guess we have some issues? (laughs) No issue, because we're living in the death of shame. She never revisits it on TV and goes, oh, blew that one. Got that one wrong, because they didn't care. They were just shilling for a political agenda. So when she gets on TV last night with Hillary Clinton, and they have this good laugh about Trump going to jail or potentially being going to jail for questioning the legitimacy of an election... They do so with no regard for the fact that both of them spent the better part of three years doing exactly what he's being prosecuted for. Okay, and only a sociopath has those capabilities, the death of shame. You have to be beyond shame to get on TV and have the laughs that these two did. I'm going to play you clip from Hillary last night. No, God, no, God, please, no, no, no. Here it is. Clip nine. All over the country right now, people are wondering what Hillary Rodham Clinton is thinking (laughs) watching things unfold in Georgia. She is the former Democratic presidential nominee, U.S. Senator from New York and Secretary of State. I should tell you, she has a new essay out in The Atlantic on the well-being of Americans and our democracy. It's called The Weaponization of Loneliness. Madam Secretary, fancy meeting you here. Oh, I can't believe this. (laughs) Yeah, this is not the circumstances in which I expected to be talking to you. Nor me, Rachel. Goodness gracious. Here's more. Clip 10. I don't know that anybody should be satisfied. This this is 
a terrible moment for our country to have uh, a former president accused of these uh, terribly uh, important crimes. The only satisfaction may be that the system is working, mm. uh, that all of the efforts by Donald Trump, his allies and his enablers to try to silence uh, the truth, to try to undermine uh, democracy, uh, have been brought into uh, the light and justice is being pursued. You are so full of sh- Okay, if the system is working, if what she just said constitutes the system working, then you have to lock this woman up, okay? I think it's also critical to understand that, as I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. And a whole room full of people cheers. Because Hillary said the election was stolen from her. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Think about that. And now she's on TV telling you, wow, the system's working. You can't undermine faith in the elections. But the reason you have to know, okay, I am not, I don't work for the Trump campaign. I don't work for the Republican Party, okay? I'm a guy who just gets on the air with his community college education and whatever personal know-how I've accumulated driving a taxi for most of my adult life and giving you just an honest, good-faith assessment of where we are as a country, okay? Donald Trump is being indicted, okay, because he's Donald Trump. That's, that's exactly what this is. They've manufactured so much hysteria around this man that in their, their heads, the double standards are justified. If this is about the system working, if this is about undermining democracy being brought into the light and justice being pursued. Folks, the state of Georgia that just indicted Donald Trump, okay, has never filed a motion, not even a thumbs down on YouTube for what you're about to hear Stacey Abrams say. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes. But we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. Back to went outside, asked if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. It was not a free and fair election. I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I believe it was stolen from the voters. Stacey Abrams is full of But you understand that Stacey Abrams telling you on 50 occasions that the election was stolen, stolen from the voters of Georgia. It was not a free and fair election. Okay, are the Democrats filing any motions to lock up Stacey Abrams? The answer would be no. Yo, in the state of Georgia, this is not like I'm giving you some other state, the same state that indicted Trump for questioning the results of an election. Okay, let Stacey Abrams claim she legitimately won the election in Georgia for the better part of the last five years. 
And now they're indicting Trump for doing the same thing and saying, well, it's, you know, it's about protecting democracy. Democrats are so full of crap. None more so, obviously, than Hillary. But listen to Rachel Maddow talking about the dangers of wounding us as a democracy. Clip 11. The system of democracy at its heart is the idea that the people get to decide how we are governed. And if we if we no longer believe that our will is effectuated through the system, if bad actors tell us falsely that every election is stolen and that the only way an election is uh, trustworthy is if they come out on top of it, um, then something it's, it, it's, it tells you something not just about that person or that moment. It maybe wounds us as a democracy in a way that is hard to repair. Straight clown. Straight clown. Okay, she spent three years telling you an election was stolen. And now she's on TV lecturing you about doing so and how it would endanger our democracy. What a fraud! But never mind that she's doing so while sitting across from the biggest election denier in the history of the country. Okay, and Hillary likes to make a point to say, well, she conceded, though. It wasn't the same thing. Here it is. Was I happy when I beat Donald Trump by nearly 3 million votes but lost the Electoral College? No, I was not happy. Did I even for a nanosecond think I'm going to claim victory and try to get the Democrats to refuse to certify the election? No. Oh, Hillary Clinton. I mean, come on. Oh, shut up, woman. Okay. One, the idea that, well, you know, Trump, you know, he took it a little further. He was asking the questions. Yo, you were on TV in the run-up. When you want to talk about undermining faith in the democracy, in the run-up to the election, she started the narrative that Russia was interfering on Trump's behalf. And you understand that narrative began with a member of her campaign. This is my favorite story in the world. Okay, a member of her campaign going to the FBI with a document from her campaign saying, I'm not giving you this document as a member of the Clinton campaign. I'm giving it to you as a concerned citizen. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. <laughs> now, listen, this document, it's, it's, you know, it's not me working for the Clinton campaign. I'm just here as a concerned citizen, you see. <laughs> Straight up. Okay. And they started... The Russian collusion, they started it themselves in the run-up to the election where being interfered with. They had a collusion party at Clinton headquarters. Okay, but then election night came and all of those efforts to undermine Trump's support collapsed and so did the collusion party. Yes, exactly. She was throwing wine bottles at her staffers and howling at the moon on the balcony of the Peninsula Hotel. But you understand, nobody has worked harder to undermine faith in the democracy than the Democrats. Now, again, I've criticized Trump. I don't want you on TV saying something's stolen if you don't have the proof. But we've got a lot more proof of irregular voting in the year 2020 than we did in the year 2016. Okay, understand, a guy who never left his house once, ever. Okay, there were more Elvis sightings in the summer of 2020 than there were Biden sightings. That guy somehow is the highest vote getter in the history of our country, gets 20 million more than Obama. Don't be thick. All right. Now, the truth is, yes, it would make sense that the voter turnout was higher because they juiced turnout, mail-in voting and the idea of 
Not every vote being counted on Election Day. You just needed to get them postmarked in certain jurisdictions. Ballot harvesting was now legal. 24-hour drop boxes were now legal. It made it a lot easier to turn out the vote of an apathetic electorate, meaning nobody cared about Joe Biden. Nobody cared. Nobody gave a crap about the guy. Come on, man. But nobody did. You understand? And would they wait in line to vote for Biden? Probably not. Would have people have shown up if it was ranked? Probably not. Okay, in a traditional election, the guy would have no turnout. But the fact that you were able to fill out a ballot and someone would come by your apartment building and pick it up for you made it a lot easier to juice turnout. That's why, you know, some people go, oh, there's no way Biden's the highest vote getter in history. It actually does make sense, you guys, so you understand, only because they changed the rules of how we collect votes. So when you also hear that Trump's the first incumbent president to get 10 million more votes than he did the first time around and not win, it's not as unprecedented as it sounds, if only because we were voting in an entirely different manner. That being said, the idea of mail-in balloting, the idea of vote, vote, you know, ballot counting machines is something the Democrats themselves had warned us were fixed for as long as they'd been in existence. OK, that was a popular refrain after 2016 and again after 2018. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates Cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that, you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily. You could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling this. There are a lot of states that are dealing with antiquated machines. Right. Which are vulnerable to being hacked. Workers were able to easily hack into an electronic voting machine. It was possible to switch votes. Forty three percent of American voters use voting machines that researchers have found have serious security flaws, including back doors. We know how vulnerable now our systems were. We know I know that hackathon that took place last year where virtually every machine was broken into fairly quickly. I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues here at the Capitol um, where we brought in um, folks who, before our eyes, hacked election machines, um, those that are not, those that are being used in many states. Kamala is a lying sociopath, fact-checked. But do you understand that's every prominent Democrat telling you the Republicans hacked the voting machines to get Trump into power? Just like I play you montages of every prominent Democrat saying Trump stole the 2016 election. Do you understand down in Georgia, up in D.C., over in Manhattan, all the jurisdictions where Trump has been indicted? Okay, they're not ringing him up because he did anything unprecedented. They're not ringing him up because he endangered our democracy. Okay, they're ringing him up because he's on a course to walk away with the 2024 election, and that's the last thing on earth any of them can deal with. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to dive into the phones really quick. 888-788-9910. Dana Perino is coming up 
Emily Campagno is coming up. Brian Brenberg's coming up with batting leadoff. Marshall in American Falls, Idaho. Marshall. Hey, Jimmy. My man. At the end of the day, who cares? <laughs> I've, been here, I've been hearing this chatter all the time. Mm-hmm. We keep hearing the Sabres rattling. This is not the New York Yankees when we had Rivera as a closer, as an automatic <laughs> person. We knew that we got this game in the back. Uh-huh. We're stuck with Pedro Martinez, who can't finish a game. <laughs> and so the deal is, is, is this is also not like Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics with Newt Gingrich. There's Larry Bird, who was a closer, who knew that he could trash talk, but he could back it up. Yeah. What I'm afraid is going to happen is the Republicans are going to do like they always do. They're going to lay down and die. They're going to have all this stuff. They're not going to come forward with it. And they're going to hoodwink us again. Oh, listen, uh, let's be clear. I don't expect the Republican Party to fight back that hard. There's not a first of all, there's not a hell of a whole lot they can do. Second of all, everybody running for president just wants to have it both ways. How dare they do this to Trump, but secretly hope he goes to jail? You know, there's no the Republican Party can't save you at this point. The truth is, you know, the ballot box can save you in the sense that we can send a message to Washington that we don't want a lifetime supply of political tit for tat. Uh, But in terms of Trump, they're they're going all in. Okay, the only guy that's really going to fight to the death in this one is Trump because he's not scared of anybody. But you are right to say the Republican Party, you know, they look pretty gutless because the time to fight was not now. It was long before we got to where we are now. This is true. And the deal is, is that we have no close. We don't even have a pitcher. Listen, We've got somebody from left field. I, I love a good. Let me let me. The game. Yeah. Well, let me let me just jump in so I don't lose you to a commercial. I love a good sports analogy as much as anybody. But everything you're saying about the Republican Party could actually apply to the Yankees right now. We don't have a starter. We don't have a closer. Nobody can hit the damn ball. My 14 year old is on the verge of snapping when he watches this team. I can only imagine how everybody feels watching the Republicans. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hour number two of this fine program is about to morph into an embarrassment of radio riches. Dana Perino, Bell of the Cable News Ball, going to be joining us to class up the program, make an announcement about something going on in her career. We don't even know what it is. We got... So we got, you know, it's kind of a sneak attack. We're like, yeah, Dana's coming by. She's got something to talk about. So wish me luck with this one. And uh, Emily Campagno is going to be here as well. She is, of course, the co-host of Outnumbered, host of the Fox True Crime podcast, a legal mastermind, someone who can undoubtedly weigh in in the legal goings on down in the state of Georgia. 888-788-9910. If you have a take which they certainly had over at MSNBC last night. I got to play this really quick, and we'll get back to the phones. 888-788-9910. John Heilman is actually this morning. He's one of the co-hosts on Morning Joe, a show we make fun of, but again, highest streaming program in Guantanamo Bay. You got Morning Joe. I believe right now, if you look at the Nielsen's in Guantanamo, it's tied with The View. The View is awful. Okay, but, you know, you can't waterboard anymore, so you put on these shows. You want to get a confession out of anybody. You're like, I'll put on Morning Joe. (laughs) And then, yeah, they don't want it. Okay, but here is John Heilman. And you got to understand, okay, arresting Donald Trump 
is the number one erotic fantasy of every liberal in the media, every single one. So this idea that he's now been indicted multiple times, okay, they've gotten that payoff. So now they need to freshen up the relationship. They need to take the fantasy somewhere else. So John Heilman, you know, they're role-playing now. Want you to believe Trump isn't going to be able to get bail in Georgia. This becomes a better fantasy. Hey, guys, we'll get him thrown in jail before the trial. Oh, do you get where this stops being about justice and it starts being about their own sexual fantasies? When you're right, you're right. And you're right. It's crazy. But listen to this. Listen to how excited he is to say this. It's clip 13. What was our kind of prima facie, obviously problematic for Trump for two and a half years is now much, much, much worse. And, you know, the, the, you rattle off a bunch of the reasons. I won't steal my friend Andrew Weissman's thunder, but he's also going to, I'm sure, talk about the possibility that this is the one case where Donald Trump will find it very difficult to be, even be given bail. Uh, because of the way that the right. uh, some laws work in Georgia, so that is it is a it is a staggering thing what happened yesterday in a, in a, in a presidency or a post presidency full of staggering things. There's been very little that's been more staggering than the, than the sweep and scale and severity of this indictment. <laughs> in my opinion, that sucked. No, it didn't suck to him though. It was so excited. Oh, Trump's going to find it difficult to be even given bail. Oh, it's going to be great. You suck. Yeah, jackass. You can't imagine how much this means to them emotionally. And I tell you this a lot, man. When you're operating from a place of emotion, it denies you self-awareness. You know, you don't realize what you sound like to other people, which is an idiot. Okay, he's the president of the United States. He could be an ex-president, obviously running for re-election, He's got Secret Service protection. They're not throwing this guy in jail without a trial. Are they going to mugshot him in Georgia? I think so, because they want the publicity. I don't doubt they might let you see the guy in handcuffs. Okay, they want these things to happen. But they don't want them to happen again because of justice, or they would have locked up Hillary Clinton and they would have locked up Stacey Abrams. Can I play that clip one more time, Josh? Just listen to this, okay? Because Trump is being arrested in Georgia. Okay, he has to turn himself in by the 25th for saying the Georgia election was stolen. Stacey Abrams ran for governor of Georgia. Here's her take on how it went. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes. But we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. Back to went outside, ask if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession needs to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. I mean, that's enough. Are you kidding me, though, Stacey Abrams? Put that cookie down now! Okay, seriously. And I will not concede. Because it's about the erosion of our democracy. And they stole that election from the people of Georgia. Yo, she did this for four years. And didn't get arrested for it in the very state where they're indicting Trump and 18 other people. It's so brazenly political. Michael's down in Birmingham, Alabama. He sees it. Michael! Jimmy! 
My man. I, I, I tell you what, as a lifelong Georgia resident, mm-hmm. thank you for giving airtime to the true governor of Georgia, Stacey <laughs> Abrams. But, but, you know, here's what I don't understand, Jay. I don't really see her doing a lot. So I guess she's still working on her adult fantasy novels. I don't know. I'm waiting for them to be published any day. You got any insight? Remember when she was writing? She did. She wrote those erotic novels. De- uh, there was a weird... It was a it was a weird uh it was a weird one. It was like Debbie does Weight Watchers or something. I forget. <laughs> it's it a strange one. But uh, I, I, uh-huh. I, I want to stand up for the good people of Georgia because I know people across the country are going. What is going on in Georgia? Well, yep. let me tell you what's going on in Georgia. All this nonsense coming out of Georgia is within the city limits of Atlanta. Yep. You go twenty miles either way, any way away from Atlanta, and they're going. You know, those people in Atlanta are crazy. Yep. So that's what's going on. That, that You remember during the election, oh, we have to stop uh, counting ballots because mm-hmm. the, the uh, election site is flooded. Yep. Well, it was a urinal that overflowed. Okay, <laughs> all that stuff went on in the city of Atlanta. So yep. please don't think everybody in Georgia is crazy like these people trying to indict Trump. No, it's so true, man. It's so you're talking like Fulton County, basically. And uh, it's 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 a turn on to them, though, like the fact they showed so much like Michael last night, like that was like an OnlyFans. They showed you every part of the process. (laughs) They showed you everything. Here's the room. Here's the documents. They even leaked them ahead of time. Okay, it's kind of like a mockery of the process. What are they putting in those hash browns at Waffle House, brother? I I am so glad you said that. Did you see a few months ago where the foreman of the grand jury Mm kind of went on a media tour? Yes. She's a woman who is a Wiccan. Yep. And she she was talking like this was a fantasy. Oh, we'll mugshot (laughs) him and we'll read him his right. And it was like, you're Uh right. It's like a fantasy to these crazy people in Atlanta. Oh, it's so nuts, man. I don't know what we're going to do, buddy, uh, because the Trump man, he's not taking. Okay, he's going to keep fighting it out. He's having a press conference Monday. But Governor Kemp just retweeted Trump and said the election wasn't stolen and he's got to stuff it. So you got a real food fight on your hands down there, buddy. Well, well, what I hope, Jimmy, comes out of this is, okay. you're going to take him to court. A lot of you've done 2000 mules, right? Mm. You've seen that. Mm. I'm hoping a lot of the evidence that people know. I've seen it. I've seen the cameras of people in Atlanta stuffing 100 ballots in a box. that's not monitored. I've seen all that. Okay, And a lot of people have. Maybe that finally gets litigated. We've got evidence. Okay, prove to me that this isn't election interference. In, in yeah. Atlanta. No, you know, you did throw me, though. When you said mules, I thought we were talking about the ones that brought the cocaine into the White House. Okay, I'll get up. <laughs> I'll, I'll get up to speed before our next conversation, Michael. Be well, buddy. You're the man. Thanks, buddy. See you, my man. There he goes. The great Michael in Birmingham, Alabama. Daniel in Gulf Shores, Alabama. A lot of, a lot of Atlanta Braves territory today on the show. What the hell, Daniel? Yeah, well, Jimmy, I've got I, I got a couple of questions for you. The first one is all the clips that you're playing mm-hmm. of Hillary Clinton and, and Stacey Abrams. Can those not be used in court as a defense? Well, the or, reason or, or as or as evidence. Well, the reason no is because like it doesn't 
them committing a crime, if this is to be considered a crime, doesn't make Trump any less guilty of what he allegedly did. The problem, what these clips really do is they just show you what a double standard there is. Like Stacey yeah, Abrams. But they're not, yeah, but they're not listening to the clips. No, Democrats no. Listening to the clips, and that's not in mainstream media. That's only on Fox. Yep. No, they don't. They don't even acknowledge this is a thing, you know. And that's that's the scam of right now. It's like you wouldn't have to be a Republican or a Trump supporter if you were just paying attention. You'd know this isn't okay. You know, we're not saying it's wrong because we're conservatives. We're saying it's wrong because it's wrong. Okay, that's the problem. Yeah. Okay. And and a simple solution in, in you know just my mind is you make. Uh, Election Day, a federal holiday, everybody's off work, and then they can go to the to, to the ballot box. They don't have to do mail-ins or yep or yeah. I mean, that's a, to me, that's a simple solution. This is the problem, okay? And and this this really matters, okay? We have a problem in this country with election integrity because the last two losing sides said it was stolen, and it would really benefit us greatly to do something like you just recommended, which is everybody votes in one day. We count the votes in one day. They do it in Florida. And when people say, oh, well, you know, the United States is so much bigger than Florida, but in theory it's not because we vote on a state-by-state basis. We don't have one giant 300-million-person election. We have 50 individual elections, and if Florida can do it in one night, so can everybody else. It would benefit us so much to solve the problem of election integrity, but they don't want to. And the fact that they're willing to throw Trump in jail for life if they can get away with it means to me – Okay, there is something more than what meets the eye when it comes to 2020. I don't have the answer to specifically what it is, but the idea that they're fighting this hard to deny us a good, honest look into what happened really does concern you, no? Well, it does concern me. What also concerns me is what are they going to come up with this time to to, – to do the same thing they did uh, when, when they came oh, up with COVID. Buddy, are what you, are they going to come up with you, this time? Are you kidding me? You don't think Fauci's cutting the lab a check right now over in China so they can cook you up a new variant just in time? Is, <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, something's going to come up, Jimmy. Some, they're going to find something to Listen, use. And, and it, it scares me to know what it is. I know. I hate I hate that you feel that way because it's not completely well, unfounded. No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm no, not kidding. No, because it damages the country. Yep, it does. COVID damaged this country. A million not only with the election, but everything else that went on. And they're going to come up with something else. Yeah, they're no, these are these are nothing has been beneath them when it comes to stopping Trump. And that's why it's hard to take them at face value on anything. And I think you make brilliant points. Good call, Daniel. We'll do it again, brother. Here's one more clip for Daniel. Uh, this is Emily Coors. Michael had mentioned this earlier. I don't make it a habit of quoting Michael in public, especially if there's law enforcement around. But here's Emily Coors. This was the NBC media tour that Michael referenced in which she was fantasizing about getting Trump under oath and swearing him in. Clip 33. I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in. I just I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I mean, come on. Are you seriously, lady? Did you even listen to any of that? She's such a dope. What an idiot. Seriously, though. I just thought it would be really cool to, like, swear him in. Like, get him under oath. Here's a little more of it. Here she is fantasizing something has to happen to Trump. Clip 34. Did you recommend charges against Donald Trump? What would your reaction be if the DA decides against bringing any charges after what you've seen? I will be sad if nothing happens. I, I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much, too much information, too much of my time. There was just too much for this to just be, oh, okay, we're good, bye. And if it was just a perjury charge, 
I will be happy as long as something happens. <laughs> Such an idiot. <laughs> this is pretty much the worst video ever made. I'll be happy as long as something happens. <laughs> like this is who's indicting a former president of the United States. Like this is disgusting. She's the Wiccan witch in her private life, which whatever, I don't, you know, everybody's into their own weird stuff. But the idea that you have the foreperson of the grand jury flat out going on TV to say they need something to happen. There's too much information. It's too much of my time. (laughs) What are we talking about here? This is not just as being blind. This is just as being a complete idiot. Detached from any reality, their feelings are their facts. And there's no way this isn't politically motivated. The problem is, what something Daniel brought up earlier, is yes, Stacey Abrams did it. Yes, Hillary Clinton did it. But no, that doesn't make it okay that Donald Trump did it. Because what we're coming to learn rather quickly is the law only applies to certain people, okay? And Trump happens to be one of them. You know, I don't doubt if this was 10 years ago when he was still just a New York real estate developer donating all kinds of money to politicians in every party, he'd be fine. But the pr- problem is he can't write checks to the Democratic Party anymore, so they don't have any use for him. So instead they tell you, no, you know, we're going after Trump because we've got to protect democracy. And because something has to happen. <laughs> That's what she said. You play one more time just for my amusement, clip 34. Did you recommend charges against Donald Trump? What would your reaction be if the DA decides against bringing any charges after what you've seen? I will be sad if nothing happens. I, I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much, too much information, too much of my time. There was just too much for this to just be, oh, okay, we're good, bye. And if it was just a perjury charge? I will be happy as long as something happens. <laughs> you sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. Seriously, that's the four person leading the charge against Trump. Get her out. Get her out of here. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Oh, girl, they're playing Van Halen. I can only mean one thing. The human happy hour is on the line. Fresh off the outnumbered couch. Emily Campagna back in the house. Hey, bud. Hey, guys. Hi there. I mean, out air guitar in here. Do you know how out of sorts I am? Because we're doing a phoner. We never do a phoner. You're usually in studio. And I only know it's time to go to commercial before you come on because you just barrel into my studio while I'm on the air. <laughs> like you're Kool-Aid and you roller skated through the wall. Uh, the fact that the wall is intact right now means we went to commercial five minutes later than we were supposed to. So you and I are about to give the American people a two-minute shot of Campagno. What is happening on the Fox True Crime Podcast? Guys, this shot is short but strong. So this week's episode is really amazing, Jimmy. It it follows the story of Cheryl Giart, who um, in the beginning of the episode, you're learning from this beautifully um, endearing and really incredible storyteller about her life and how she learned that she was adopted when she was a young girl and how that changed everything about her life and her identity and like it was really an idyllic childhood Mm -hmm. but then who she learned her mother was was one of the first victims of the horrible operation miranda which was a multiple serial killing um, and horrible torture story that came out of southern california and for her to learn that that's who her mother was 
And investigators found it, an 11-page letter that her mother had written while chained up in this terrible dungeon at the hands of these two monsters. That letter was written to her. So she wrote a book about it, and really it's the story of her uncovering who her mother was and the horrible tragedy she went through, and then um, sort of the brave undercurrent story of this daughter, and she's a daughter of two mothers now, and Mm -hmm. the work that she's done with the foster care system as a result. It is a compelling, brutally honest, uh, brutally violent story that I think everyone will be riveted by and changed Mm -hmm. by. All right. Well, listen, your recommendations right now are like 12 for 12. So don't F it up, Em. You know, I got to <laughs> I got to answer to these callers. I got a lot of my audience day drinks. So if they don't like it, like I'm not only going to hear about it, but Josh is going to tear a rotator cuff working the dump button. You know what I'm saying? I stand by my rec, dude. It's going to be 13 for 13 here Whoa. in about one second. The Campagno seal of approval. Good luck on your shoot. I'll talk to you later, bud. Thanks, bud. See you soon. See ya. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon making all kinds of audio magic. This, of course, not the headline in the world of audio, though. Joining us now with a bombshell announcement that everyone in the world will be wealthier for hearing. uh, The Perino on Politics podcast. It launches this Monday. uh, And it is hosted by my next guest, the co-host of America's Newsroom, co-host of The Five, Dana Perino in the house. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? This is, I'm just giving the American people a moment to catch their breath. This is a big development. <laughs> but it is, because you want to know what you did? You Taylor Swift of the podcast world. You know how sometimes she drops an album at midnight? <laughs> we did not go to bed knowing there was a Perino on politics. We you ta- This is a Beyonce poli- uh, podcast. Drop. It was a surprise. You just dropped it on us. I've been thinking about it for a while. So I'm a podcast enthusiast. I'm a radio enthusiast. So I love coming on your program. And I'm so glad you're having this amazing success. It's oh, great for all of us to watch and to have you on Varney in your very conservative business suit. <laughs> Dana saw me you on look Varney. a little uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I look like? I look like I'm trying to win over a jury. Like I look <laughs> like a guy going to court. In the, 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 in the Midwest. Yeah, the lawyer was like, put on a tie. You, you carry some sympathy. So I love podcasts. I like to get a quick taste of a few podcasts a day on politics. And one of the things I do to get prepared for the shows and election night coverage and debate coverage, things like that, is I have sort of a kitchen cabinet of friends mm-hmm. that work in the business, and I'll just call them and say, what do you think? What, what's happening? And the biggest question for me is, what am I missing? Because okay. I don't want to miss anything. Uh-huh. So because I'm going to make these calls anyway, I thought, well, wait. I like my friends. My friends are smart, and they're – they call balls and strikes. They're they fair. Mm-hmm. And they're pre- they're going to brief me. They're going to prep me for the week. And I thought, well, I'll just let people listen into that. It's kind of cool because you're letting them stand behind the magician of how the cable <laughs> magic happens. Yes. And they'll see where the rabbit goes and everything in between. Uh, I love this. I, I love the whole concept of this. And I just we've gotten into that water cooler portion of the election now yep. where so much of it is gossipy and speculative that it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I, it is fun. I also feel that let's say that there's somebody listening who likes politics but doesn't love it, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to live it every day. I, my, I, what I want to do is have a podcast on Mondays where you can listen for 20 to 25 minutes. And if you play it at 1.5 speed because you're walking fast and getting your exercise, you'll be done in 18 minutes and you'll be caught up and you'll feel that. like you can – participate in conversations if you want to Uh and have a little bit of info. And I'm hoping that it'll be a little bit of, oh, I already knew that or Uh – 
I heard it on Dana's podcast. How about that? Trend setting. Dana yes. Perino, trend setting in the audio world. I have always said someone should make a podcast around Oscar season for people who want to pretend they saw all the nominated That's films. That's me. If, right? That would be no, me. Nobody's seen them, but if they could just give you the benchmarks to hit, you'd sound like you could hang in every conversation. It's also how you can do book reports. Yeah. Really. You're, you're kind of chat GPTing the 2024 <laughs> election. That's right. That's you're, right. But with a little more personality. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of sidewalk punditry going on this year, thanks to I Dana so. Perino. Well, of course, listen, right here on the Fox News Channel, there is a mega- TV event next week. Of course, we're talking about me hosting Fox News Saturday night at 10. But I was told before that uh, there's also something involving uh, Martha McCallum and our good friend Brent Baer, the first GOP primary debate. Has an opening debate ever felt this consequential, more crucial? Well, I get to do something I've never done before on that debate. And so Bill Hemmer and I are going to anchor 8.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Another bombshell. We're the the warm-up act. Can I tell you? You're the opener. For Martha and Bill. (laughs) But I love this because this is, again, Hemmer was on this show. Hemmer did not drop this news. And he could because have he's it. probably done it before, and he's like, "Of course, oh, no, this blood, is no this big is deal. a hot gig." But Let's it's it, it. it's great for me, and I think oh. about when I used to have to read. Well, my dad required me to read the Rocky Mountain News and Denver Post uh-huh. before he got home from work when I start started in the third grade, mm-hmm. and I then had to discuss articles with him you know, at dinner. And I think about my opportunity to be a part of this team next Wednesday night, getting everybody revved up for the debate hype. I'm the hype man. <laughs> the hyper. You come out, <laughs> throw your hands in the air. Uh, you know, is care. it the most consequential? I, I just love all elections. I think mm. it's a fascinating process. This one is certainly different than most. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. you've got somebody who, uh, in, in President Trump, who it, uh, lost the 2020 election, wants to run again, and is competing against nine or ten other Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, still a question as to whether or not he'll show at that debate. We just had a... We just took a vote on our team, America's Newsroom team. Everybody had to go around the room. Do you think he comes or not? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It was like even split, 50-50. On, nobody knows if he's going to come. It's very. I think it's going to be very last second. I mean, if I was coaching him, yeah, I'd want. this is why I'd want to be there, okay? Just talking strategically, okay, is I wouldn't want to cede the spotlight to nine people who have a lot of the same policies but might bring less baggage to the conversation, and that's where I think he'd be wise to be there and try to outshine those potential rising stars. Because there is talent in this debate. Some of them can even rap. Vivek can rap. Yeah. Did you see him rap? I did see that. And I like that song. Oh, okay. The Eminem song? Yeah. <laughs> of course Sometimes you I do. hear it when I'm on Peloton. <laughs> that's the only time I ever hear it. Vivek, I get what he's doing now. I get what vote he's going for. He's going for the Peloton vote. Yeah, I'm not sure if the... Iowa State Fair vote was there. <laughs> but you know what? It's um, He's got talent, and he also, he's he got a special well, charisma. Well, you gotta, okay. He's got views, uh-huh. and I think that he'll be a standout at the debate. Listen, he has absolutely got chops, and I want to just recalibrate for a second here, because if you are rapping to the Peloton class at the Iowa State Fair, initially you'd say, no, that's not them. But after a week of fried food, <laughs> bingo. I, bingo. I am so glad I didn't have that assignment, oh. because do you know, I basically now have on my list more foods that I can't eat <laughs> than I can. Dude. That's what's happened as I got older. It's it's so funny because it's a thing. That's an actual conversation someone once talked to me about in my cab. He's like, I used to go out to dinner with people and we used to like, you know, <laughs> talk about all the things we love. And now we just it's like a, a list of what we can't go to. <laughs> I look at people saying, oh, yeah, we're having a pizza party Friday night. I'm like, I don't think I'll ever have pizza again <laughs> in my life.
That's no way to live, Dana Perino. I know. Maybe maybe a, a, cauliflower, a cauliflower crust pizza. Have you ever had those? Nah, you They're know not who, terrible, you know, to be honest. Do you know who hasn't had them? This is a funny story. Uh, in the summer of 2020, when all of that horrible rioting was taking place, yeah. there was a shot inside a Target where one of us, one of our correspondents was there detailing the carnage. Everything on every shelf was empty except a freezer full of cauliflower pizzas. I remember that. <laughs> that was like my favorite thing yeah. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And, like you'd go through and you'd be like, oh, the vegan sausages are still here. All the way stacked. Yeah. Stacked nobody wants back. those. Nobody wants them. That was them. a good, yeah. You, if you were in food research yeah. and marketing, you could go to all of those. You could learn a lot by what got say, looted oh. first. One time I got to give a speech at the Frozen Food Institute, and God Ooh. bless those people. They were great. And they had a display of all these like freezers all the way around the convention hall. And you could go in and really learn about how do they decide what goes where in the freezer case because of what like a millennial yep. is going to buy versus a senior citizen. Very interesting. You know what else they tell you about like eye levels and stuff? Because well, they, but they, who's can, eye level? Well, if it's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I keep getting the SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> French fries. <laughs> You're shopping at a kid height. Think about that. Dana Perino is here, league leader in high C, uh, growing up at the grocery <laughs> exactly. store. Uh, so another talent, though, this is something I found very interesting going into this big GOP primary debate, is there's been a hot rumor about the DeSantis camp. I wanted to ask you if you think that's exaggerated, and do you think he's playing into it by shaking up his staff as much as he Wait, what, what's the rumor? Well, you know, people say DeSantis is imploding. I don't know that we're anywhere oh. near that. I, I just think it's a trendy <sighs> thing to say. I think it hasn't been great. Yeah. I, I don't think he's really caught fire. I believe that he's got a ton of money. He's mm-hmm. got time. Yeah. Now, he did do a revamp of his campaign, and mm-hmm. a very smart person named Colin Reed, who will be my first guest oh, on out. Perino on Politics, reminded me that it takes any campaign that has a revamp or mm-hmm. a new leader, that it takes about three weeks at least mm-hmm. to show the results of that. Okay. And so the debate next week will be about two and a half weeks since he's had a new team. So we'll see if that made a difference. It's really interesting. We're talking to Dana Perino and the Perino on Politics podcast that launches this coming Monday, a Beyonce podcast drop. You're welcome, America. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of money getting thrown at Tim Scott in Iowa, which I kind of read into, you know, two things. He's very popular. Yeah. In fact, I talked to somebody in Wyoming not too long ago um, to wish a happy birthday, mm-hmm. and they asked me what did I think was happening. I said, look, it's wide open right now, except for Trump has this very commanding lead, and I, I, I just find it hard to imagine. In your head, you think, well, if the election were held today, of course you'd put your money on Trump. Yep. And he said, gosh, I like that Tim Scott. And That's, I thought, oh, okay. Tim Scott is good on the radio. Is like he? Like when you actually talk to him and just talk person to person, he likes to talk. I loved his book. Oh, uh, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, his mother should be running for president. I mean, to be clear, <laughs> she's the hero in this whole this whole saga. But Tim Scott has one damaging piece of opposition research that I own on this show, and he's tried to buy off me on several occasions. Tim Scott insists in his book that Rocky Three is the best Rocky. And you lose a lot of support with a controversial claim like However, that. you have to admire him that the reason he believes that is that he worked at the movie he theater. Did. He did. And that was what he got. To, so, he was invested. Yes. That was, he, <laughs> that was his entertainment. And he was working. He wasn't sitting around doing nothing. Fair. No, he deserves that. See, Dana Perino no longer at the White House, but still spinning at the podium. I and got, spinning I still well. got it. I don't know. I, I look at like the current White House press secretary and I'd say, mm, yeah, I got nothing for you on that. I mean, I, I don't know how you spin that. I don't yeah. know how you been that President Biden uh, can't say, my, I'm worried about the people of Hawaii. It's so crazy because there is, for, the, for as long as we've had a country, 
there was there wasn't like some comp there was one comment in a situation like that was exactly what you just said there wasn't even a second comment you could make let alone a no comment I, I, such I, mean, I was trying to be generous and thought maybe joe biden didn't, didn't hear, hear the it. question mm-hmm. and that the answer to every question is either we're looking at it or mm-hmm. something but why didn't he say immediately i called barack obama I've asked him if he would sign up to make sure that the people of Hawaii and Lahaina have what they need in order to. Re- We're going to be there, but Barack Obama is going to be my eyes and ears on the ground. He's going to head this up. I mean, why would you not do that? But that's where he's putting KJP in such an impossible I know. position. Like, she, yesterday she said, I've got nothing else for you on that. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Sometimes at the White House podium, you're speaking directly to the chief of staff's office. You're not talking to everybody in the room mm-hmm. or anybody watching on TV. You're talking to the chief of staff's office like, I got nothing for you on that. So in that regard, she's actually owning her space in a way that you'd almost – I'd give her credit for, would you not say? Because well, she's Well, I would do it beforehand, out. so okay. this is what I would do. I would mm-hmm. go around the West Wing, and I would say, I need an answer by 2 p.m. for what I'm going to say about what this president is going to do about Lahaina tomorrow. Are mm-hmm. we calling a cabinet meeting? Are we doing this? Are we going to send so-and-so? Where's Mayor Pete? Yeah. Oh, he's on vacation. Like, wh- I need something mm-hmm. or else – I'm going to pour this gasoline on my head. I will light the match if I don't have something to say by 2 o'clock. And you know what? They'll give you something to say. They'll give you something. Yes. But I love that. Do you know how easy it is to tell the press corps? The vice uh, um, President Biden has asked the vice president to fly to Honolulu to take a. Oh, that's it. There's the headline. The vice president's going to Honolulu. That's all you have to do. You gave them a deliverable. It's as easy as my heart breaks for the but people. they don't even have that. She said, I've got nothing else for you on that. So crazy. I love that this is becoming an intervention now. It started out as like Perino's <laughs> going to give you a political briefing. I have thoughts on press secretary world. Not for, for everybody. Uh-huh. One time Brian Kilmeade was on The Five, and uh-huh. I tried to protect him from like getting a, canceled. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, why do you try to be everybody's press secretary? <laughs> I can't help it, Brian. <laughs> and you are just trying to keep some of us in office. Yes, From hello. time to time. Yeah. I've gotten a casual intervention about Twitter once in a while. Like, well, that's an interesting take you had there. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, wow, ow, wow. <laughs> Twitter's kind of dead, though. Like, nobody's uh-huh. tweeting. Nobody's got any. It's I can't figure it out. There's a hundred ads. There's too much going on now. They tried to be too many things. And they've what happened on Twitter that used to make it pop initially is there was a lot of cross-pollination of ideas, yeah. but now the algorithm has been so reinforced that you really only see things you're going to agree with anyway. I don't like it. Yeah, it's a worse echo chamber than it ever was. No, I, need, I need a different thing, and well, threads ain't it. No, threads isn't happening. Neither is the fight to make us interested in Twitter. They're not, it's the stupidest Guys, thing Guys, yeah, we're heard. not interested. Nobody wants to see these two nerds cry in a schoolyard. <laughs> Come on, we did that in the 80s. This isn't fun, Dana. But what is fun, folks, and you heard it here first, Perino on politics. It drops this Monday. Yes, I hope you listen. Right ahead. Let me know what you think. Oh, I'm all over this thing. It's a required listen for the audience. Thanks for this. We'll see you on the five today. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. American people be seeing the president on the phone, working the phones, talking to officials rather than seeing him on the beach? You all have gotten full reports uh, on who the president has connected with. You all have heard from us when the president has talked to the governor, when the president, you heard from me when about talking to the senator, you heard directly from the administrator, uh, you know, and you've heard from the governor 
and the senators on the ground saying how much they appreciated the work of the federal government, the work from this president. And I think that matters. I think that matters that the folks who are on the ground, uh, the elected officials, are saying that they're receiving the help that they need uh, to deal with this devastating issue. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. That is Corinne Jean-Pierre saying Joe Biden's working hard in Maui. Come on, don't bullshit me. Joe, I mean, honestly, everybody would be so lucky to have the work-life balance of the president of the United States. Every time I turn on the TV, the guy's on a different beach with his shirt off. He's riding a bicycle. <laughs> He's got a good racket. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm over here. You see me on TV 6 in the morning, 10 at night, and I love it. I'm having fun. Don't feel bad for me. I'm, I'm very lucky. But the fact is the president of the United States doesn't work a third of my hours. It's stunning. You'd be the leader of the free world. And just hanging out on a beach, walking around. I mean, he's basically doing everything but leading the country and talking to a seventh grandkid. But let me give you a little more KJP because the press is growing restless, and they should be. You understand in the aftermath of, say, like Hurricane Katrina. George Bush played a round of golf once, and they were like, oh, hell no. You play no round of golf. People are suffering. How dare you? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Joe Biden gets on a bicycle, tells reporters he's got no comment on Maui, as Dana was just saying. Think about that for a second. Ah, no comment. There's no such thing as no comment. You're talking about a tragedy where over 100 people have died. Okay? There's only one comment. And the comment is, our hearts are broken. We're doing everything we can to marshal resources out to the people in Maui. That's it. The idea... That you come up and say, no comment. Garbage like you just makes me sick. And here is KJP trying to work off of that. Says you'll hear from the president eventually. Oh, no rush. I mean, really think about this. Donald Trump once showed up to the site of a hurricane, got into the distribution line for supplies, and was throwing people paper towels like it was a football to kind of cheer them up and boost morale and have some fun with the situation. And everybody in the movie was like, he's making a mockery of it. I can look at him throwing paper towels like that. Can you even? The media is a bunch of losers. Totally. Now you understand, at least he showed up. At least he spoke to the situation. He physically got in the assembly line and distributed supplies. And for that, he was mocked. Joe Biden, now get around to it. Here it is, clip 25. Given what the administrator said about the perils of the president traveling to Hawaii now, um, does he want to travel there eventually to survey the damage and meet survivors? So obviously I don't have anything to announce at this time. Look, we're going to continue to have conversations with the administrator, certainly the governor in, in Hawaii, on uh, what the opportunities might be, what that may look like uh, for a trip. But right now we just don't have anything to share. Any plans for him to speak publicly about the death toll? Uh, you'll hear from the president. Um, uh, you've heard from him already on Thursday. Certainly you'll hear from him, uh, you know, continuously this week as he's going to be traveling tomorrow. I just don't have anything to share uh, on that. You don't have a clue. She knows nothing, but they're trotting her out there empty-handed. Like, guys, it's bad enough she's going out there empty-brained. But now you send her out empty-handed to boot? You gotta do better than that. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. And here we go. Back in action. 
for a big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We've kind of been running the gamut here in the world of talk radio today. We've talked about Trump indictments, talking about Biden's rigorous schedule. He has now moved from the beach chairs of Delaware out to a hammock in Lake Tahoe. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. I used to say that. That used to be a running joke on the show, that we had this Australian news anchor who likes to slander Biden as being out to lunch. Uh, but he doesn't need the retirement home and the war. He's already got it. He doesn't do anything. Like, if you had the work-life balance of the president of the United States, you would be the least stressed-out person uh, that you knew. Okay, this guy, I mean, seriously, I know volcanoes more active than this guy. We're going to talk about it in this hour, 888-788-9910. We're also going to get into the fact that California, my goodness gracious, the hot, trendy pick if Biden doesn't run is to let Gavin Newsom take over. (laughs) That wasn't a joke, Pee Wee. People actually think Gavin Newsom would be the guy to take the standard. Come on, don't bullshit. I'm not kidding. Okay, this is a real thing. And I understand there's no deliverable. But what was Joe Biden's deliverable? I mean, this is a guy who Barack Obama thought so much of that he talked out of running for president in 2016. Think about that. Joe Biden spent eight years as Barack Obama's vice president. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. Okay, and at the end of it, he said, dude. You know, Biden was like, hey, Barack, I'd like to run. And Obama was like, don't be thick. All right. And he made him step aside. OK, he was like, no, no, I want to challenge Hillary. This is not OK. And that was it. They kicked him to the curb. Biden was like, you don't understand, Barack. I'll be a good president. And he was like, there are white folks and then there are ignorant mother like you. Which I didn't expect it to get that heated, but it did. So the point is, Biden had no deliverable. He was known for being incompetent. I mean, Robin Williams. Think about that. Going back to comic relief in 1987, Robin Williams was calling Joe Biden the dumbest man in Washington. Think about that. That back in 1987, he was saying things like that. I mean, Joe Biden has a penchant for being stupid. A three-letter word: jobs. J O B S. Jobs. <laughs> Three-letter word: J one O two B three. S four. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. He's been dumb his whole life. So the point is the fact that he's the president now, okay, doesn't really require anything out of him other than to function as the living, breathing vessel through which other people can exercise presidential authority. People are always like, oh, Biden's on vacation all the time. You believe this? It doesn't matter. Okay, Joe Biden's job was to stand there and let the media get him elected. They did the campaigning for him. Now he's sort of in office, but that's the hook of Biden running again, is the fact that him being in power gives a lot of the bureaucrats behind the scenes a lot more power than they would traditionally have. That is correct. Now, on the off chance that they do throw him off the ticket, and there is that growing concern because of the mounting investigations into Hunter Biden and the fact that, you know, let's be honest, Joe Biden's, you know, a couple of wild pitches. Two weeks ago, he told you he cured cancer. The week before that, he said he was going to save the Queen of England. It hasn't been pretty. Got lost a couple of times leaving stage. Okay, mangled a few names as he always does, but that's not unique to him. Even Corrine Jean-Pierre did that. She was talking yesterday about Maisie Hirono from Hawaii. 
one, one of the dumbest women to ever hold elected office, uh, but she was not described as a woman, nor was she described as Maisie Hirono. Here is KJP throwing a wild pitch of her own, clip 26. Senator Hirono, who I said the president spoke to uh, just last night, he thanked the president uh, for the immediate support of federal agencies have delivered for residents of Hawaii, um, and so does has uh, so has uh, Senator Shorts. 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 <laughs> She is so bad at her job. Senator Harino. <laughs> Maisie Harono. She called her Senator Harino. She's been watching a lot of Dana Perino. She rhymed it. And then she called Senator Harino a he. <laughs> These people are a laughing stock. Just a clowns. The level of ineptitude at the top of our government. So when you look out at something like California, you go, come on, there's no way. Yeah, Gavin Newsom, they're not going to run him. But are the Democrats ever running anybody with any actual record for, of delivering for the American people? Like, is there any moment out there where you're like, no, 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 this guy, this guy's got a record? The answer would be no. No. And that even pertains to Obama. Like, I don't need to do an hour slandering Barack Obama. But he came into this with no track record whatsoever. He was a hot topic candidate. They made it trendy to vote for him. They galvanized the media and political pop culture. But at the end of the day, he was a terrible president. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But think about Biden, uh, Obama's two signature achievements. Okay, his two signature achievements are the non-binding Paris Climate Change Agreement, which means everybody who signed it didn't need to adhere to any of the pledges they made. In fact, the only people who lowered admissions were us, even after we pulled out of the non-binding agreement. Again, getting China to sign an agreement that they themselves are on record as saying they're not going to sign is not an actual deliverable. Correct the mundo. But take it a step further, because his other signature achievement was the Iranian nuclear deal, which gave the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world... $50 $50 billion in cash assets in exchange for their word that they wouldn't lie to us in rich uranium. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Those are his two biggest achievements. The Affordable Care Act, if you remember, was named PolitiFact's lie of the year because of this statement. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. So you understand. Period. So you understand Obama sucked as a president. He did. That doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Doesn't mean he's not good at basketball. I thought he was funny when he slow jammed the news. Okay, I'm not you know mad at him. That's not my job. Is not to get you upset. It's to tell you he's actually have a record of delivering for the American people, but more specifically, Black America, who saw their unemployment rate rise under Barack Obama, who saw Barack Obama take his presidential library post presidency into Chicago and displace okay hundreds of Black residents who now have to move. Because his library is coming to town. Okay, you understand? They then get out there and tell you, oh, Republicans, they're a bunch of bigots. You got to vote for us. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. But one of their stupidest ideas, one of their dumbest ideas was what? It was defunding the police. I'll play you the montage. Here's every Democrat. Everyone in this is a Democrat. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. This is the word that's coming from the streets, AOC said. AOC is a dope. Totally. But you understand that defund. 
defund the police. What was that based in? Another fraudulent claim of racism. Ah, oh, it's racist to have cops. Wait, what? Okay, but that's what they tried to tell you with a straight face, is that the police were a bigger threat to the communities than the criminals they were being called upon to protect you against. That is a fact check false. Okay, but that's what they ran with. And they did that not because they believed it, but because they wanted people to vote for them. Hey, vote for us. We want to defund the police because the other side's racist. They want to support the police, so vote for us. Why am I bringing all this up? It seems weird to rehash 2020. It's because in the year 2023, in the state of California, okay, if you saw the videos over the weekend, it's just lawless now, okay? 30 people go into Nordstrom's in L.A. over the weekend and steal about $100,000 worth of goods out of a Nordstrom's. Now, to be clear, in a Nordstrom's, $100,000 worth of goods is, you know, probably like two pairs of jeans. That's true. That is true. Okay, but the point is they ransacked the place with no fear of being, you know, cornered or arrested or anything in between because L.A. is another city, major municipality like New York, that slashed police budgets as the end result of the Democrats calling everyone in the police uniform racist. Okay, then you've got a situation like San Francisco where Gump's, which Gump's is a department store outside of Union Square in San Francisco that's been there 166 years. And they wrote an open letter to the city of San Francisco saying leadership has failed and that this may be their final holiday season in San Francisco because of just how out of control the carnage has gotten. People don't feel safe going to work. You dig? Okay, that's the reality of California. They've turned the state into a safari where you drive down the street and you're like, look at that one over there. Don't feed them. Oh, man, it's getting close. These poor people, there's no dignity in it. And they try to frame it as empathetic to let them live that way. Wow, you can't throw them out of the tent cities. You can't stop them from doing drugs. Have a little sympathy. These people are struggling with addiction. Sympathy is helping them. Sympathy is getting them off the street. It's not making businesses go under. Because you're indifferent to the fact that there are wizards and hobbits chasing people through the streets of San Francisco. If big box retailers like the Amazons of the world, the Whole Foods of the world can't stay in San Francisco, a mom and pop business has absolutely positively no chance of sticking around. But this is the reality of California. 50 Cent. Okay, 50 Cent weighed in. 50 Cent, the rapper 50 Cent, who, of course, under Biden's inflation, now 63 Cent. Just being silly. Okay, we laugh at stupid stuff like this because it's a coping mechanism. But what did he write on Instagram on Sunday? I told you L.A. was finished. They're going to have to lock the doors, appointment only. He's talking about department stores. SMH, smack my head. Why? Because people are walking into stores. Okay, we had a mob last week that went to the Yves St. Laurent store, the jewelry store in the suburb of Glendale. Handbags, jewelry, everything like that. And stole $300,000 worth of merchandise. 300,000. California is lawless. Lunacy. Think about this. If you want to leave California right now, you want to get a U-Haul and you want to leave California, okay, you have to take a number. Don't call us. We'll call you if we get a U-Haul in anytime soon. People are fleeing the state, so much so that you can't get a U-Haul to get out. Yet the hot topic in Democratic circles is if Biden steps aside, Gavin Newsom becomes the president. Now, what has Gavin Newsom delivered under his leadership? Nothing. But that puts him in line with a long list of Democrats. Okay, when Gavin Newsom became the governor of San Francisco, excuse me, the mayor of San Francisco, the governor of California, let's do this in English. Okay, when Gavin Newsom became the governor of California, (laughs) he said his number one priority 
was homelessness. You gotta do better than that. And we say that why? Because it's ballooned by 66% under his leadership. It's worse now than it's ever been in the state of California. Okay, San Francisco, when he was the mayor of San Francisco, ballooned out of control. There's a mass exodus of businesses. Okay, it's gotten so bad that in San Francisco, in the Nancy Pelosi office building, a building named after Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. Fine. But in the Nancy Pelosi office building, they're now telling workers that they can work remotely because it's not safe to go downtown. Okay, this is in San Francisco, which was the most beautiful city in our country at one point. San Francisco is gorgeous. The Golden Gate Bridge and Presidio and Alcatraz and cable cars and everything in between. It's gorgeous. Nice hilly city. The full house city with the painted ladies and the opening in the park. They couldn't have that opening now. This kid, You couldn't walk through the park, the full house. They'd be running for their lives if they went into... You imagine they shot full house now in San Francisco? I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, they wouldn't even do it. They'd be like, the cameras would get stolen before they could even set up the shot. Think about that. It happened to CNN. A CNN camera crew had their cameras stolen three different times. CNN is the worst. Maybe. But isn't it ironic that the only true story they've reported on in the last five years involves their camera crew getting robbed three different times? (laughs) It's nuts. But even crazier than all of that is the guy presiding over all of this lawlessness, Gavin Newsom, is the front runner if Biden steps aside. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Fox Across America. The radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We're being told Biden is off to Lake Tahoe. 
This is unbelievable. This is- Biden is such a disaster. He spoke a second ago. He did say that he's going to send Hawaii whatever the heck they need, which means what happened. Somebody poked him with a stick on the beach and was like, hey, jackass, if 100 people die, you can't say no comment. It looks embarrassing. It's beneath the office. It's beneath human dignity. Do you remember when Jill Biden told us empathy was on the ballot in 2020? <laughs> empathy. You got anything for the 100 people who died? Nope. Empathy, ladies and gentlemen, empathy. It's such a dumb time to be alive. But this idea that they're going to whack him off the ticket, it's so much more possible than you know. What I think is going on, and this is just horse sense, okay? Straight horse sense. This is not me talking to any of my various contacts in D.C., most of whom are Uber drivers and cocktail waitresses. But let's be clear. We're not, like, inside the beltway. Uh, But, you know, I know a person or two. And the truth is people in the Democratic Party believe, okay, because Biden isn't campaigning. He's doing no events. He launched the campaign. He said he was running for re-election. We're going back now. What is it, August? So July, June, May, April, about four months since he launched his re-election bid. And he's not doing any events, which means he's not actually running. Okay, what they're trying to do. As these poll numbers increasingly show Trump even with Biden or even beating him in some key critical states. okay, is the Democrats want nothing more than to run against Donald Trump. They do want Trump to be the nominee. Just so you guys understand, they're not scared of him because they understand in order for Trump to win, he's got to peel off some serious independent support and he's got to peel off a couple of Democrat swing voters. It's not easy to do, you guys. People hate Trump a lot more than, you know, more maybe as much as a lot of you like Trump. It's not easy. The Democrats want Trump in there with four indictments to his name, at which point, once he's clinched the nomination, Biden takes a step to the side and they trot somebody out who doesn't have the baggage of Joe Biden, doesn't have a dirtbag son running a corrupt influence peddling scheme, doesn't shake hands with invisible people or get lost leaving the stage. And, yeah, he might have run his state into the ground like Gavin Newsom. He might be the worst transportation secretary in history like Pete Booty Judge. But if he doesn't have the baggage of a Trump, they feel like that gives them a better chance to get into the White House. That's my take. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. They are rocking out to some ZZ Top on Fox Across America. A little different in 2023. It's now a sharp-dressed them (laughs) <laughs> They've got legs. There's no she. You don't want to get, you know, the late great Billy Givens canceled from beyond the grave. And the car's electric, too. It's not a, it's not a gas-powered Can you imagine they show up and throw anymore. keys to a gas-powered vehicle? That makeover is over in the ZZ Top video. All three of those chicks are unemployed. Uh, joining us now, a man is very much employed, the co-host of the Big Money Show. Uh, also, by the way, a lot of you don't know this, the single-season record holder for Chick-fil-A consumption in the Hannity Green Room, <laughs> Brian Brenberg is back. Hey, somebody's got to do it, man. And it's I'll you. tell you what, though, I've got competition. I don't know who it is, but somebody showed up last week and said they were ready to play. Well, you want to know what happened last week, and you called them out on this last yeah. week. They got So everyone listening at home needs to know this. Sean Hannity is a very benevolent human being. And what we mean by that is he's good. To, he's really good to people. OK, so whenever we do his show live, they're catering it like you're at like my big fat Greek wedding. He lets you break dishes and everything. When you throw footballs in the studio, we're throwing dishes in the green room. But there's always this like it is a stunning amount of food, is it not? So there's like four well, people it used in the to green be. room. <laughs> 
<laughs> but last week he went to Sarge's, which is the best deli in the city. So good. It's the, it is pound for pound if you're ever visiting New York. It's not in Times Square. It's in Murray Hill on the east side, 37th and 3rd. Yeah. It's been there for about 60 years, and oh. it's the best deli in the city. So it's, it was the best when the Carnegie was open. It was the best when the stage was open. Anyone who knows, okay, Sarge's, pound for pound, best in the city. Okay, so Hannity somehow, and I'm, you know, as you know, I'm just my diet right now consists of Greek yogurt and tears. Okay, <laughs> that's what I eat during the week: cashews, Greek yogurt, and then so I salty. cry and so cry salty. and cry. And you get rid of the liquids that way. You got to do it. So I walk into the Hannity green room, but it's like you know when a dog can smell a familiar person. So I'm in the other side of the building. I can already pick up the scent of Sarge's, which is something I've been frequenting since I was a high school kid. And I fully show up in the Hannity green room with like a toy in my mouth, you know. <laughs> I lift my leg and pee right in the green room like I'm an actual rabid dog. And I see Sarge's. And I'm like, first of all, the balls of this guy to do that to me because he knows I'm on a diet. But then I see you as a Sarge enthusiast. We've oh. never even had this conversation. No, no we never have. The, of all the subjects we've covered, we've never discussed Sarge's. But is, is that a thing? Has it been there in past Hannity's? And it, I well, didn't know it, it. It has been. It was a couple months ago, and I wow. did it. And this is back in the day where nobody was eating it because they were, like, too embarrassed to eat it. Yeah, yeah. There were piles of, like, corned <laughs> beef. That's a good point. Pile, and I walked in, you know, and uh-huh. I, I got the last hit of the show or whatever. So I'm just sitting there salivating <laughs> for 30 minutes, and then my hits done and I'm in and they're like nobody ate this stuff I grabbed probably the equivalent of three sandwiches good like, for you whole sandwiches and you know what you point to it I think it's so funny when we first started doing these live Hannity's okay because this is only you know about a little less than a year old eight months yeah. nine months old it's all TV people in there and yeah. in the beginning nobody did eat because they all wanted to pretend they don't eat like, that's no, I don't right know, I eat. it's all the TV vanity but now that everyone's gotten to know each other a little <laughs> bit did you notice all the craft services are gone there was a time where I would leave there as a parent feeling guilty about the wasted food. I'm like, well, there's 100 smash burgers here. <laughs> now I go in and there's half a bun. That's all that's there. And it's not because he's getting chintzy. He's ordering more food than ever. But everyone's pulled the goalie. We've, we're, we're, now we're not pretending anymore. Look, all this inflation, all this economic trouble. If there's Sarge's in the green room, you better eat it. And Thank you bring you. some home for your dog. <laughs> Get it while you can. Okay. You know, the old Ton Stoffel, no such thing as a free lunch. But there is free craft Actually. services on Hannity. <laughs> If you get in there, whoever that wrote that proverb. Well, listen, you bring up businesses and a struggling economy. So I'm sure you guys covered this on the Big Money Show. I had to cover it on Fox and Friends, albeit briefly. Uh, businesses are fleeing California, mm. okay? The ones that are staying are now being told not to come to work in the Pelosi office building because it's not safe, which is, I mean, bananas. But, like, we're in, like, a straight Mad Max territory in California. Uh, as a guy, you know, who covers economics for a living— who thinks this is okay for the business model? Well, you know what's interesting? So I watched that Nordstrom. Oh yeah, the video. ransacking. Okay, yeah. and what's happened? This is this is very calculated. It's criminal entrepreneurship. Is yep. all it is. What these guys are doing is they're saying, okay, we know the rules of the road. The rule is um, no bail if you get caught. That's great, and we know if it's less than a thousand a guy, we're going to be fine. So mm-hmm. they just take that and they say, okay, well, what can we do with that? What we can do is get thirty to fifty guys together, go into a Nordstrom's, cover up take all the stuff and leave and nothing's going to happen. And like a couple of politicians will complain about it for a few days mm-hmm. and then we'll do it again. Yep. And we'll do it again. Like they do studies in New York, 6,000 arrests on this stuff, which uh-huh. is way down from what yeah. we had in 2017. It was like 300 guys, the same 300 guys. That is nuts. Like they did, they know what they're doing and they just know we're the, our competitor, the government mm-hmm. doesn't want to play. No, they don't care. So we're, we're just going to win every time. Dude, it's insane. We're talking to Brian Brenberg, co-host of The Big Money Show. Uh, 
it's so fascinating to me because we've become desensitized to it. Like that video of them ransacking Nordstrom's, they said they took 100000 worth of gear. which At least, I Which think, at Nordstrom's yeah. is three T-shirts and right. a <laughs> pair of studded jeans. I mean, let's be clear. <laughs> it's, it's one nice pair of shoes, to be clear. But that being said, okay, we've seen the video now so many times. The week before, they were at like an Yves Saint Laurent. They went in there and they yeah, stole 300000 right. stuff. And we've seen all the lootings at Sephora and stuff like that. So it's now just accepted practice. But I guess my question is, I mean, the businesses, I would think, on some level are insured. But, you know, they run into problem with, like, flood insurance and flood zones. How does this remain sustainable for businesses and the people who insure Well, I mean, it's hurting insurers and premiums. At some point, that runs out, too. Like, yeah, the first time you get robbed, Uh insurance pays it. But then they're like, okay, so we're going to keep doing this thing for you. We're going to have to charge you a little more. And then all of a sudden, this doesn't work. So I think the the guys who can get out, get out. They just, I mean, a big corporation can say, we're going to pack up and we're going to do something over here. We're going to spread yeah. our costs. But the little guys are the ones who are like, this is my livelihood. Yeah. I can't just pull the plug. No. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I know how to do business here. I don't know how to do it yeah, across the country. Place. Yep, yep. So they, they're stuck. So so what is happening is, is they don't fight crime in these places. You hear about the big Nordstrom stuff, but actually Nordstrom's, they'll figure it out. Yep. And it's a guy the next door that, that really don't know what to do. And they got no voice. See, it's like the voiceless in this Bidenomics world uh-huh. are really, really voiceless. Some white guy with a banjo should record a folk song. Now, that's an idea. There would be a market. There's like a platform <laughs> out there. I think you could get it onto or something. You know, we covered this on your TV show yesterday. Uh, the listeners might not know this. During one of the commercial breaks, I sprinted down. We did a hit on the Big Money Show. We were talking about this Oliver Anthony song. Is it not so hilarious that the song's out like an hour? And there's already hit pieces on the guy. Like, <laughs> oh, this right wing anthem <laughs> by Oliver. I'm like, give this guy a break. Like, they know the guy. Yeah, I mean, I like, he's got a red beard. You know, I know that guy. You know, we got to stop. It's the guy with the three dogs who was living in his car an hour ago. He's the guy we got to go after. But it's so crazy because this is the this is how quickly, like, you know, when the parties trade power, they trade playbooks. Yeah. An Oliver Anthony song, and the one we're talking about, Rich Men North of Richmond, number one of the country charts. He's got seven songs in the top ten. And he's singing about such a, a populism that affects everybody, whether he's talking about high taxes or suicide rates, you know, the fact that the politicians are controlling our lives, you know. Yeah. But the point is that would have been a left-wing anthem. That's like a, it's like a Springsteen song. It's like a Dylan song. That's a great point. And you know, it's funny. So I'm listening. So I told you I got it record player. I, I bought oh. a couple Dylan albums. And I'm, okay. So I'm listening to um, Dylan's Greatest Hits Volume 2, which is a lot of that kind mm-hmm. of 60s yeah. anthem songs. And what struck me was – I felt like I just heard this today. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, like it, it's got that sort of Dylan stripped down. Yep. There's something wrong with the world. I'm the man in black. Yep. You know, until things get a little better, Johnny Cash style uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's what this is, and that's yeah. always resonated when yep. you're at, when you're sort of speaking to things um, a lot of people care about and are thinking about. Yep. It works that specifically. You know, when he's speaking to this idea that like the suicide rates are spiking because guys are getting kicked down. Like that's you know. That's not specific to a party, dude. That's the part I think is so funny. And Rolling Stone said it's like, you know, it's a favorite of right-wing influencers, which is code for like, oh, this is racist crap. Right. But it's like the thing that I keep coming back to is we're, we always fight the wrong battles. We had this conversation during the Jason Aldean song when that went nuts. Yeah. We get madder at the singer than the criminal. Like, right. it's like, come on, dude. I'm telling you we're doing this wrong. <laughs> like, Gumps in San Francisco. This was my topic on Fox and Friends this morning. Gums has been there 166 years. Jeez. 
And you realize, like, stuff like that are pillars in a community. And when they leave, it makes things that much more fluid. There's no compass. There's no direction. There's no right. normalcy. And if they can't stick around after 160 years, or they just don't want to, yeah. back to the mom and pop, back to the Oliver Anthony, you know, demographic. Yeah. Everyone is getting stepped on in this day. It's really weird. It's yeah. America has become – it went from a shining city on a hill to, like, a Craigslist apartment that's a dominatrix <laughs> that, like, beats you up and calls your names and puts out cigarettes on you if you don't get vaccinated oh, and drive sorry. an electric car. And it's like, what are we doing here? It's, it's not so, right. It is. It's, it's true. Every, every community has ballast. Mm-hmm. And the ballast isn't – like the headline grabbing stuff. It's not the shiny stuff. Yep. It's the mom and pop that's been there forever. It's the families that have been there forever. It's the institutions that have been there forever. And so I, I think a lot of this is these songs are actually just about how in so many places there's no ballast left yep. in these communities. And so the ship is like whoom, way tossing back and forth on mm-hmm. very stormy seas. It's a great point. He has the line about being an old soul in a new world. Yes. The point of the new world is it's just unrecognizable. Yeah. And I think every generation gets to our age gets to an age you're like 40 and you know he's like oh these guys yeah. today <laughs> of course of course but we absolutely have accelerated because of digital everything in a way that didn't exist yeah i mean when you talk about just the act that you got a record player the act of procuring music now in the age of digital music yeah. it like we don't appreciate anything life has become such an obsession with what you don't have because you get everything you want too easily yes. now you can hit a button on your phone and of any song you've ever thought of in your possession yeah. instantaneously. You don't even need to know the name of the song. No. You can type three lyrics into Google. Right, right. It's like, here it you is. You got it. You got it. What do and, you want? And it's not, like, that's not, that's just not satisfying. There's something unsatisfying about having everything. Like, working, even, like, working for something, putting yeah. a record. You know, yeah. like, there's something about that. But it's weird today is you can be, like, 30 and be an old soul. Yeah, oh, you are. Like, you don't have to be that old to yeah. be an old. You just have to kind of remember a time before complete insanity. <laughs> like, oh, I remember back then, you know. I mean, you, 30, you just maybe. Have to, you just have to be old enough to remember when uh, Britney Spears was dancing naked for pay. <laughs> you know, there was a time when she was jiggling it in front of hundreds of thousands of people getting a paycheck at the end of the day. She still wasn't singing live, so it's no different than what she's doing now on Instagram. <laughs> But I think that's a weird, it's like a larger commentary about how social media and the popular sovereignty of social media doesn't actually have a moored compass, doesn't have ballast, as you said. And a lot of times it's just fighting the wrong battles. Like this guy in the car saying things are hard for the little guy. Yeah. They are hard for the little guy. <laughs> we should help him. Jason Aldean's like, oh, there's too many rapists and robbers. There are. The guy with the guitar isn't hurting anybody. <laughs> He's fine. Give him a beer. As long as it's not a Bud Light, no one's going to get hurt. Just don't give the country guy a Bud Light. We'll all be fine. That's ballast. And meantime, social media is just like you said. It's the dog with the chew toy in its mouth looking for Sarge. It just wants to go to Sarge's. It's just like a big hunt for Sarge's. Rip something apart. Oh, man, you kids get off my lawn. That's what it's become now, Brenberg. Uh, listen, another business thing really quick. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, it was yesterday with Brenberg Eve on the show. So, you know, we hang the stopping stockings. No, everybody, good, yeah. everybody gets to open one story, yeah, you know, before you come on. Yeah, yeah. So the AP saying the Inflation Reduction Act had no impact on inflation. <laughs> it's just like we knew that. The CBO told us that. But it was kind of funny. To, I, I want to give him credit for acknowledging that. Yeah. I, I, they yeah, could have did it on the front end. 
No, could, yeah, no, but that that would have uh, that wouldn't have been any fun. You know, yeah. it's more fun <laughs> if you perpetuate the myth, the lie, call yeah. it what you want for a I don't know a year or so, yeah. and then say that's nah, not. You know, see, so then you think about like the guy writing the song. Yeah. Okay, he's talking about taxes. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, taxes are too high. My dollar doesn't go very far. And then the AP comes out with this report, and you're like, golly, I think those two things might be related. <laughs> there might say. be a reason he wrote. And Biden's saying, oh, you know, I, I wish I went to call it the Inflation Reduction yeah. Act. <laughs> well, I mean, you could have just not called it you that. You could have been honest I mean, about it's it. possible. Yep. I don't know who was telling you you had to. It's – we. We live in an economically nonsensical world. Yeah, it's like economically illiterate, right? It is totally economically illiterate. And you cannot live in that kind of world long before it actually shows up in your life. It actually shows up in your life when you walk into a store Mm -hmm. and you can't find any socks and you know it's because 20 guys came in that store a couple days ago and, and tore everything apart think about that and now we're being told that the average family is spending 709 dollars a month more, more under biden I but mean, you know what the average family says of that yeah yeah no kidding yeah exactly they knew that this isn't new tell me something else i didn't know and then funny when they run that confidence scheme like when the white house gets out there and tells them it's okay it's like no the economy's doing good as if the people won't know yeah jessica wood used to do a story a joke about that she was an old comic she's like yeah She's like, forgive me for this. She's like, yeah, I don't know why guys lie about like the size of their thing. Like, I'm not going to find out. <laughs> These are discoverable facts. <laughs> it's like this lying. is discoverable. It's like lying on your online dating profile. Right. Like, if you are eventually going to meet in person, we're going to have an issue here. We are going to verify certain claims made here today. <laughs> but that's what they do in the White House. They lie on the profile. And they just try to never get together in person. None of the economy's good. The That's cut. it. They never get together. It's online dating. They like they. You start dating online, but you have to send your money for, like for the date. Yeah, yeah. you got to send them your money. Uh-huh. They go out to dinner. Thank you. We're, and you just hope that they're what they said they in are. In this administration, we're being catfished by a guy in Ukraine <laughs> yeah. who says it's a hot model. And I'm dying. I love you. You're so sexy. I love your posts. They're so funny. I just need money to get to America <laughs> so we can hang out. And then you run down to the old Western Union or whatever the hell you go these days, a Venmo, I don't know. And you're sending some guy named Sven $8,500. That's all you had left. And guess who's never coming to town? Svenlana, the girl that he's supposed to be. What a dumb time to be alive. And as a result, you're eating all the green room. <laughs> That's why Brenberg. So as it That's turns out, I'm he was it. catfished after all of this. <laughs> it's come full circle. Call the Sarge and not for the cold cuts you've been had. <laughs> Brenberg, man. I'll see you back. This was great, though. We really we really took it somewhere today. We solved a lot of problems I want today. a banjo playing under our economic analysis Come from on. now on, yeah. Josh. Can we bring a banjo? Uh, why, why have we not done that sooner? There's no reason. <laughs> Half the girls I dated in high school look like they're from Deliverance. There's no way they can't play it. Come on, ladies. I'm talking to you. We're back after this. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, doing the damn thing here on the radio. About to take my talents over to the TV. I will be joining Laura Ingram, the Ingram Angle, tonight in the 7 p.m. hour. Have a little State of the Union about all things America. And we will undoubtedly be plugging uh, my stand-up comedy special. So listen to this, you guys. Things you only hear on the radio. 
Uh, I am taping a one-hour stand-up comedy special Friday night, October the 13th, that you'll see all over the Fox uh, media platform come January of 2024. It's kind of like the moon landing documentary I worked on. Uh, the commercials for that are kind of running around the clock right now to get people over to Fox Nation and check it out. Uh-huh. If you haven't gotten there yet, give it a go. You know I need the ratings. Look at me. I'm a mess. Okay, but my stand-up special tapes Friday night, October the 13th at the Paramount Theater in Huntington on Long Island. It is a home game. It's the biggest night of my career. And the tickets on sale now. There's a pre-sale going down. You can jump in there tomorrow, get some tickets. They're on sale to the whole general public on Friday. And they will sell out because I'm fraudulently telling people that Brit- that Britney Spears and Taylor Swift are opening for me. We're actually titling the special Megan Fox sex tape just to draw some eyeballs. People will click on that. It's like, oh, it's just Jimmy Fallon his leopard print again. We don't need one of those. Ingenious schemes you have to come up with nowadays. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Uh, especially if you're eating chicken kebabs in Times Square. I got to tell you, it's ugly out there. But the show's over. I'm done rambling nonsensically. I will see you on the Ingram Angle tonight. Wish the hair and makeup team luck. Until then, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.